Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome. So our companion for this retreat uh, will bring in again. Uh, the greatest way is not difficult if you don't pick and choose. You may know these are the opening lines of a poem attributed to the third Zen ancestor, uh, Sing San, and um, quite a popular phrase, not just for us, but been used for, for centuries and come up again and again. So much so that, you know, when I put the <clears throat> feelers out and the request for, well, what's this retreat want? And this shows up, I go, really? <laughs> you, again? Um, I mean, I like you, but it seems, not too many months ago, we took this up and looked at it, and, and it seems like you come up a lot, and um, we've explored it. People, we, 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 we tend to get a, a hold on it, a grasp on it, we get some kind of understanding or a, a relationship with it that we're... It's with us. So it's like, and so you want to come to a retreat again? What, what, what can we do? I mean, how much more can we squeeze out of you, right? <laughs> um, it's also, uh, in the work in the room space, you notice there's a scroll type thing up next to me. That's something I sewed together many years ago, like 19, 20, I don't know, towards the beginning of my practice. And the top, one of those little three things, is the opening lines of that poem. So it's been with me for the whole life of my practice, it seems. And so here it is still, yeah? yeah. Uh, but I've learned honor. Well, it showed up. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see where we go, yeah? And that translation, hmm... kind of pointed and doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. There's many different translations and, you know, for me personally, I wouldn't have chosen this one. Because you have the other translations which are like, uh, the greatest way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Or, it avoids picking and choosing. The greatest way does. It doesn't put the onus on us. Or another one that's really nice is for those who aren't attached to their preferences. So it kind of softens it and makes it more palatable. Oh, I can get my, my hands in that. Or another, I don't know if it's the opening line, but further in the poem, it's those who don't cherish their opinions. It's that kind of that kind of thing that kind of speaks in a different way. And it's like, oh, yeah. Well, I notice, you know, if I was choosing, I'd want something softer because I want to serve myself. <laughs> and I've also shared with... Um, People have, I've, I've learned that if something bumps up against me, or if I, you might be more familiar, when I see it bumping up against you, it's like, okay, good, go there. Um, if it's causing a, 
a bump or a twist or something for me, then that's showing me there's something it's touching into and enlivening, something for me to look into and see, so I should spend time with it. Um, so this is the translation that we have in our koan collection. So this is what, in our school, that we use this particular one. Um, oh, the name of the poem is, well, one of the translations is, well, I have a book and that's Trust in Mind, is one of the common translations. But well, the funny thing about this book is that it's by Mu Song, and there's he, he writes a whole bunch about the poem using one translation. Then at the end of the book, he offers ten different translations. <laughs> Little ironic, right? <laughs> Don't pick and choose. Here's ten. Yes. <laughs> Have a look. Which one do you like? Yeah, you can look through. Oh, oh. And then you know, for me, I'm like, well, I'd blend this one with that one, and. Oh. But the other side of it that isn't ironic is, let all ten of these sit side by side and don't choose any of them. Let them all enter there. Let them all mingle together and play and see what that does. Um, so I did look through some of those and um, none of them had this exact translation. So I just went with ours, you know. Like I said, in our koan collection. <clears throat> So the greatest way is not difficult if you don't pick and choose. And it turns out, it seems, the teacher Zhao Zhou, that great teacher uh, from long ago and not so long ago, it must have come up for him a lot too. Because in, in the Blue Cliff record, I didn't count, I just know there are four koans that deal with this phrase and Zhao Zhou together, and people kind of saying, you keep talking about this. <laughs> you keep bringing this up, and tell me more about it. So it's something that seems showed up for him all the time, too. Maybe he was like me, and was like, you again? You keep coming up. I don't know that he was holding on to it and wielding it. He seemed to be one who waited and to see what arose in the moment, and then put it out there like that. So I felt a little kinship with him. See now, here it is, showing up again and again. So much so that it became kind of a, a hallmark of his teaching, one of the devices that he used. So he welcomed it when it came as well. Yeah. And in one of these koans, I was wondering, do, do any of these koans want to come in? And this became clear, even more clear, like last night, but looking ahead of time, I wasn't really drawn to anything, but last night, the feeling that I was feeling looking at my own experience, this koan seemed the right one to bring in. So a student said to Zhao Zhou, you always say, the greatest way is not difficult if you don't pick and choose. Hasn't this become a cliche? <laughs> Zhao Zhou said, someone else asked me that once. Really, for five years, I haven't been able to avoid it. Yeah. That was his response. For five years, it's kind of been on my mind because somebody else asked me this. So who knows what that was? Oh, I need to, I don't want it to be a cliche. I don't want to fall into that, but I can't avoid it. It keeps showing up. For five years, I haven't been able to avoid it. Yeah? So that's nice. Mm -hmm. 
admitting that, seeing that. Hmm. So what about, you know, this becoming a cliché? What's this person implying, right? Isn't it, hasn't this just become empty words? It's been overused and kind of like I said, we, we go over it, we think we understand it, we feel we have a good grasp with it. Why do we have to keep visiting it? Is it just a place where we can just rest ourselves and not actually investigate further because it's so familiar to us, yeah? We talk in our practice of being with what's alive and staying with what's alive. So cliches are dangerous places. They're the places where things die and they just become rote and maybe lose their meaning. Practice itself can become a cliche for each of us. You might find yourself in that place sometimes. Maybe not for a long stretch, but or maybe for a long stretch, but periods where you're like, haven't I just become a cliche? <laughs> Whether it's here in my practice, what I'm doing when I'm sitting this way, or just my life. It's like, here are these stories I say, and you know, I'm the stereotypical whatever. <laughs> I've become a cliche. And you, you may not feel that alive within your own practice, yeah? So maybe the student asking this question is coming from that place of, I'm not really getting anything out of this, and I've heard you talk to others about it, and um, what are we going to do about this? Can you offer me something more? Can you give me something more than this? And that's a, another interesting thing. We think, well, we've met it and we've understood it, so I need to move beyond it. Well, that might be a cliché move. <laughs> to respond to a cliché with the cliché move of, I've mastered it, now I don't need to see it anymore. I move to the next thing. Yeah. In looking at the comments on this from Hakuen, the way he puts it is, like the student is saying, isn't this the place these days where people snooze? <laughs> You're taking this phrase and giving it to people and... We hear it, we just, tung. maybe it's like a, the Pavlov's bell. You hear this phrase, you just, tung. I know what that means. <laughs> I'm sleeping, I don't have to worry about it. You're just putting people to sleep, <coughs> numbing them out, putting them on autopilot, something like that, yeah? Our practice can become like that, too. Especially all the bells we ring. <laughs> maybe not a bad thing. Uh, during retreat, to become conditioned in that way. Chill. Bing, chill. Um, but Hakuin also proposes, and you can hear it in there, he's kind of calling out Zhaozhou. <clears throat> like, hey Zhaozhou, don't you have anything new to teach? Are you running out of tricks? Are you just relying on somebody else's words and giving us this cliche because it's tried and true and it works? What about you? How come you haven't come up with something fresh and alive? You know. So he's challenging Zhaozhou, he's challenging the whole situation there. The phrase Zhaozhou practice. Who knows? But it seems a, more than just a simple inquiry. It's more of a, come on, step up and do something. So then we have Zhao Zhou's reply. He doesn't defend himself. He doesn't justify. He doesn't say, but this is a perennial phrase. And da-da-da. He says, yeah, someone else asked me that once, and I haven't been able to avoid it for five years, I found. It's been on my mind the whole time. And that way, maybe it became alive for, for Zhao Zhou, this Oh, damn, that phrase showed up again, and people are going to think I'm a cliché if I use it. Can I get around it? Can I find something else? 
No, it, this is what wants to be put out there. Yeah. Hmm. There's different translations of that koan as well, where he says, um, instead of I uh, haven't been able to avoid it, one is, um, I haven't been able to explain it. I haven't been able to explain my behaviors. Maybe one way to take that. I haven't been able to explain why it keeps coming up and why I keep using it. And maybe acknowledging it does feel like a cliche, but then it doesn't because it keeps showing up and I can't explain that. Or maybe he means, well, I've been trying to explain how it isn't a cliche, but I can't do that <laughs> because that just comes out sounding like a cliche. Yeah? Bouncing around in that realm. Hmm. Another translation, he says, for five years, I haven't been able to apologize. <laughs> and this I, I see in two different ways. One is, I haven't been able to apologize enough for using this phrase again and again. Like, oh, I know you're getting tired of it. I know you keep hearing it. I can't apologize enough. I think the more, the more true feeling for me with that is that when I try to apologize for it, my apologies don't take root because there's nothing to apologize for. I'm bringing forth this phrase unapologetically. I maybe don't understand why it keeps coming up, but it does. And so it keeps coming up. So we honor that. We welcome that. Again, unapologetically. Hmm. Or going back to the original one. I just haven't been able to avoid it. Which goes back to that. If it's that thing that I'm bumping up against and it keeps rising, rather than trying to get around it and find a different way or rephrase it, maybe I should just go right into it. This is what it is. Welcome. Yeah? You recognize that maybe here in the meditation hall? Who knows what you had in mind, what you might encounter here at retreat. You sit in meditation and then that thing that you didn't want to think about or encounter, boom, here it is. <laughs> and then, hey, I, I don't want to deal with that. I want to blah, blah, blah. And then you, you, you play that game and you notice it just keeps hanging around and persisting until you kind of say, well, welcome. I see you and can't avoid you. So what's up? <laughs> let's look at each other. Let, let's investigate. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. So again, looking at commentaries on this, this is from the Japanese teacher Tenke. He remarked, whereas Hakuin re remarked on the person's question, this is from Tenke's remark on Zhaozhou's response, where he says he used a wedge to drive out a wedge. <laughs> and the first image that came to mind for me with that was um, like Laurel and Hardy or Buster Keaton. <laughs> Seen this black and white film, the silent one if it's Buster Keaton. So you have this thing and there's this wedge stuck in it and you want to get it out so you get another wedge and you whack, 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 whack. You knock the wedge out, you're like, yay! Or <laughs> and then you, then you look and, oh, there's still a wedge. <laughs> I, but I got the wedge out, but I used a wedge. So the wedge is still there. <laughs> Interesting, yeah? 
I changed everything, but didn't change a thing. Um, and this, to me, is where there's a little more, a bit of a sting to Zhao Zhou's reply. If you look at it, he's kind of pointing out, you asking that because somebody else asked it, that's very cliche of you. <laughs> Isn't it a cliche to think cliches are cliche? <laughs> and so he does this, not again, like I said earlier, not by justifying or going against the person and trying to push against them. He joins them. Oh, I agree. Knock, knock, knock. That wedge in. Yeah. And so the person, I can imagine feeling, you agree, ha, I've got you. Then leaving going, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, what happened here? Um, so not only is there maybe an invitation to look at the phrase more for this person himself, but also look at yourself. What is it about me, if I'm that student, that makes me either want to give up on something that has become overused and cliché, or to label something that keeps showing up as cliché so I overlook it, and so I don't look into it. And that might be a common thing that we find ourselves doing just as human beings, to cover up, to not dive into the territory. So cliché upon cliché upon cliché, but all of it has this liveliness to it in this koan. A back and forth liveliness, not really resolving anything because there's nothing to be resolved. We're welcoming everything that arises, the student and the challenge and the question and the reply and the afterward and wondering, well, what is this really about? What's going on? Yeah. So that using a wedge to drive out a wedge to me is again loops back around to the or the thread that I've mentioned a couple times here. That feeling for me is when something is difficult, I should go into it. Not overlook it. Not do the usual thing of trying to dissipate it or turn away or minimize it or find something to replace it. I should really turn to it and go right into the thick of it. Yeah? That's the... Could be the unusual move until it becomes not the unusual move. <laughs> until we become more accustomed to not pushing away on those things that push against us. Yeah? Hmm. And that's a lot of what we do here at this retreat. Or retreats like this, or this retreat, which is every retreat. <laughs> um, it's not what your friends think it is, is it? You know, your friends who don't practice Zen. You, you've had that experience where you say, I'm going to go on a meditation retreat. And, oh, how wonderful. Ah. <laughs> I wonder what they picture, you know. Waking up, getting a massage. Walking in the forest, listening to the birds. Only not, not doing all that, you know. Whatever, they, you know, that smile. Oh, how wonderful. And my mind goes, well, yeah, but not for the reasons you think. Um, I don't know, Carrie's massages were... <laughs> That's what I, yeah, I hear. That was stellar. <laughs> mm. Well, you want to do it the whole time, though. Right. <laughs> I remember those days. I, getting, I would get thumb cramps. Yeah, after walking work in the room, I was like, ah. But it was worth it, yeah. And that's kind of the, the, the thing of the retreat. Imagine if you told your friends what you actually do. 
maybe you have. It's like, well, you know, I've noticed overall these issues in my life that I want to kind of work with and uh, figure out and become better at dealing with and become a better person or you know, what I'm trying to just figure out how to do this living thing more. So what I'm deciding to do for a few days is kind of just sit down, be still and invite all that crap to be right in front of me. And I'll be like a cauldron dealing with the fire of my life or the overwhelming rushing waves of my life, all the stuff. And I'm just going to hold it right there in front of me while it churns and boils. And I'm just going to look at it and not do anything about it. <laughs> For days on end, I'm going to do that. That's a meditation retreat. And yes, it is wonderful. <laughs> Just not in the way people think. But that is the work we do here. We drive the wedge into the wedge. It's like, oh, you think your life's difficult out there? Come put it all together at once, right in front of your face, in silence. And don't run screaming out of the room. Or you can if you want. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> so yeah, I think the, that's a wonderful, re- I mean, that's, I keep doing this. And what I've found over the years is, regardless of circumstances, personal and the dynamics of a retreat, you know, sometimes there's more um, kerfluffle about the retreat, and we move from place to place, and we have to adjust, and some things get more challenging in different places. Other things go smooth, especially if we've been going for a while, they're smooth. But regardless of all those circumstances, at the end, a retreat happens. A full retreat. And the work of retreat happens regardless of all that other stuff. I'd like to, you know, I find myself wanting to say, it's because of all that stuff. But all that stuff is always different. So it's not, oh, because it was a difficult retreat, this was a good retreat. It's like, it was a difficult retreat, it was an easy retreat, it was hardly anything at all retreat. The same deep work happens. And that's because of that move of going into our lives. Looking into what may seem like it's old and cliche and not relevant. But staying with it and seeing what is alive here and now. Even in the midst of what feels like a dry patch or a fiery patch. I think that's the power of what we do, going into rather than running away from. And staying with, yeah? Despite the urges. And noticing how we respond to everything that we encounter. And not do anything about that either. We kind of, wow, look at me. (laughs) Again and again. And that's the, you know, the beauty of this retreat, this retreat practice, this practice overall. Then I'd say, you know, we come out um, the other side, and that spirit that we go into in, in, intensely during retreat, not necessarily bearing down, gritting our teeth, but just the intense time and duration and repetitive doing of that activity, we carry it out into our lives afterward. And we continue this practice. We're doing the same thing in between retreat, still looking into our lives, being bumped up against by things and going into them. Then we can find the same experience that it's pretty wonderful living. It's got a bunch of crap. A bunch of ups and downs and heartache and hardship and wonderful things. All in all, 
A life happens. Living happens regardless of all that and because of all that. There is no one way to get the most out of life. There's not a way to get the most out of the retreat other than to fall right into it and meet it deeply. Again, in the lively times, whether it's bright and shiny or the fiery or the overwhelming wave kind or the dry patches that seems like nothing's happening, stay there, go into it again and again. Pretty wonderful. <laughs> all in all, this living, this life. When we're no longer trying to figure out how to live it and just living it, including the figuring out how to live it. <laughs> Not as a solution, but just as, yeah, that's one of the features of living a life is figuring out how do you live a life. And it's a seamless, seamless experience. You've never fallen out of your life. Yeah? So this... Um, this move, another way of putting it, is uh, from <clears throat> Joan's translation of the closing lines of the opening chapter of the Tao Te Ching, where <clears throat> it says, in most versions you'll find it says, darkness within darkness, the gateway to all mystery, that kind of thing. The translation that Joan puts on it, as she looked at it, is, in the dark, darken further. Yeah. When you go into that dark, dark, and you can't really see your way beyond it, and you're not sure what's going on, you can't see a way forward, go further. Darken further. Push up against it. Dive in. And keep going like that. The gateway to all mystery, you know, the mystery of living, which is at once present and here, and also unfolding and unknown as we go along again, darkening further. <laughs> hmm. We'll see if that becomes a cliche. <laughs> if so, cliche further. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.